1: Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Oh, it's been a while, but it's been a lovely break. No, it hasn't really. My brain hasn't stopped thinking about Watford. It never really does. Um, my name is John uh, and welcome along uh, to a podcast all about following Watford Football Club. Uh, and joining me to discuss the the run-in um, and then other, we'll talk about other cliches later on uh, is, uh, is Colin. Uh, good evening. Good
2: evening. It's been a difficult week. I found um, this uh, international break just utterly interminable and I, I've just... Can't wait for Friday. It's just like, I, don't, I feel like I'm in limbo, like treading water or something. Well,
1: let's see uh, how, we, how everyone else doing. Jason is with us. Good evening. And Michael. Yeah, Panic Station's here as well, because <laughs> oh, I'll
2: tell you at the state, the state
3: I'm in, uh, I'm recording this podcast on a different chair for the first time ever, and I'm starting to think, oh, is this going to be bad luck? And I've spent the last week trying to find the <laughs> face masks that I've been wearing to Watford Games. It's a washable, reusable one. <laughs> And I've been wearing it to pretty much all of Watford's home games this season. And I can't find it. And it is occupying my every waking minute to work out where this blooming mask is. Because I'm convinced if I don't wear it, things are going to go wrong. So that, yeah, everything's fine, perfectly normal. Did
1: you wear it to the home game against Cardiff City?
3: I don't know.
1: Imagine you did, and you can calm your mind.
3: Any properties have since long overtaken
1: that, haven't they? But,
4: okay. What's more important, what's more important is are you wearing Jose Holabassi's lucky pants? <laughs> oh, <laughs> exactly. so, yeah,
1: that's the that's the that's that'll get us promoted, that will Michael. Are we
3: really going to go down this route? They're very uncomfortable. <laughs> and, they're, and they're definitely they're definitely not lucky at the moment. So uh, they're staying firmly at the bottom of the uh, Bottom of the draw.
4: Oh, I was going to ask, did they walk out of their own accord, like Jose Olivas? We have not watched
1: them in the two years you have had them, Mike. But let, let, let's see where we're at. So you, you, you talk about the, the break and where you are. But Colin, are you excited about this? About these last eight games of the season?
2: I am. Uh, I am excited. Obviously, I, I would have to have no pulse. I think not to be excited. I'm also strangely calm, and because it's rare that you support a football team, unless you're a Man City fan, that wins nine games out of ten. And it has had a sort of calming effect. I realise the break will either work for us or against us or not make any difference at all, John. um, And it may have different effects on different teams uh, who have different challenges ahead of them. But I feel in a way coming back to play at home on Friday against uh, a team that hasn't uh, covered itself in glory um, this season. Of course, you have to take into account that in the championship, you know, teams can turn up one day and not turn up the next, and we know that. But to to have a, a chance to play at home against a, a side in the bottom half, I think, is uh is perhaps you know a, a quite a good way back in after the break. So I'm feeling pretty calm. I'm feeling excited. I'm really looking forward to it. I wish we could be there, but I mean that's a that's a non-starter, obviously. And uh, yeah, see how we go.
1: Jason, are you, are you calm?
2: I'm
4: I'm calm, yes, and I'm calm and excited. I. I feel I'm in a different place to previous promotion seasons, though, in that I feel like we've got more to lose this time around because last time we were on an upward trajectory, it felt like, and and we had a, a decent team and they're having a good stab at it and if they didn't make it, well, we'll have a go again next year. you got the feeling if we don't do it this year, then it probably won't be this team having a stab next year. We'll lose a few more players and that just feels like we've got a bit more to lose in that respect, but still feeling calm but excited inside for what's to come I like the
3: way you called it a promotion season Jay. so that tells us how you're
1: really thinking now Mike Mike, are you confident
3: right you can can tell where I'm at in terms of the absolute state I'm in already John I'm going to flip it on its head okay I don't want to jinx it so are you confident I am
1: I can tell exactly how confident I am I'm 67.1% confident. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Matt Furniss on Twitter shared a, a, a you know graph of, of data and that whatever it is they do at Opta when they're analyzing things and it's on the the analyst uh, Twitter account that that you can see it. Uh, and uh, of all the places so there's a 6.1% chance of us winning the league. I'm not going to hold my hat. Uh, I'm not going to hold my uh, my hopes on that. 67.1% us finishing second. Brentford a 14.1 and Swansea a 12.2. Now I'm not saying those numbers are right. Of course they're not. Absolutely spot on. But actually, when I saw 67.1, I went, I think that's where I'm at. I'm over halfway confident. I'm not 90% 80% confident. So I went, no, that's absolutely how confident I am. I am 67.1% confident that Watford will finish in the top. Two now, Mike. Are you going to be? You've already started on on this track. Well, you know, do you want to get this out of your your pragmatism out of out of it, your, out of your system now?
3: Well, I think everyone sort of alluded to it in in slightly different ways. Everyone's touched on the fact that there's reasons to be confident, but also reasons to be not fearful or trepidatious, but to recognise that this is now a, a different challenge, isn't it? For most of the season, we've been the hunter. Now we're the hunted. Um, so that puts a different dynamic on things. There's probably, you know, a mathematical number of points that realistically, if we get those, we're going to get home and hose. So, you know, will the will the, how how will they approach that? Will so yes, I'm, let's get it out of the way because please we do, we <laughs> do need to realise that. You know, I'm looking at the bit the, at the table now, and the the BBC website shows the last five. Uh, results and of course it's wwwww for for Watford win 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 but it is different now. The dynamic will have changed. People have been away; they haven't trained because they've been on on international duty. The other clubs they know will have had a chance to regroup and perhaps have a look at Watford and work out what we've done so well. So it is a massive challenge, and it's a you know it's an eight game league now for Watford, isn't it? And we know that if they finish top of that league, they're they're going up. But that brings within it. With it pressures and we will feel it as well, I'm sure. As the as the weeks go on, we've probably as at the start of this week, we probably sort of woke up on Monday morning thinking, right, this is it. This is the start of the week of the start of the period that's going to determine whether when fans are allowed back into grounds, whether we're going to be a Premier League side or or a Championship side. So it's the nervous tension, nervous energy. I think abound, isn't it, amongst us supporters? And I think we have to recognise that you know, yes, Sheffield Wednesday have struggled. Yes, you know, Middlesbrough is a is a game that we could probably hope to get something out of it's all different now we've got to start again the momentum has stopped and we just have to take each game as it comes oh god listen to me but but i think it's so important that we just somehow get the continuation from that form into this period now because if we can if we can turn in an early performance like the performances we've had in the last nine 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 games out of ten then i think we'll be looking looking good but big ask still big ask Swansea and Brentford still got games in hand they've of course got to play us which they're probably more worried about than, than we are actually but um, yeah long way to go long way to go cautious optimism am I, am I allowed to say that?
1: Yeah I'll, I'll let you be cautious always cautious uh, especially at this point with eight games to go but I want want you to look back now I want to maybe let's, let me play some calm music for you uh, OK, right. Now, let, let's think back because I, I think we need to get our expectations straight because I hear what you're saying, Mike, about us being the hunted. And I don't think it's any different. We've been the hunted by most of this league all season because we were the ones that came down from the Premier League. We're still hunting, but we're hunting Norwich. So we are still the hunters. It is still possible for us to get that top slot. Uh, well, 6.1%. Now, when you think back to 2014-15, when did you believe we were going to go up Automatically, I'm going to read the last. Just calm, calm, calm. Uh, I want you to. I'm going to read you the last eight games of the 2014-2015 season, and I want you to say, tell me when, which game is it you started to believe we were going to go up automatically? The eighth game, the eighth to last game. Watford nil. Ipswich Town one. It was our only loss in those eight games. I didn't feel it. Next game. Derby 2 Watford 2 Watford 2 Middlesbrough nil promoted that's
3: Really? When, that's when I
1: I felt it that cuz we're still I, 1 2 3 4 five. we're still with 5 games to go. Yes yeah, is because, this, is
4: is this, is this the real Mike
1: <laughs> Come on, go on then, Mike. Why that
3: game? I spent a lot of twenty fourteen, fifteen, very, very drunk and uh, happy. No, not, not, not at all. I, I just felt that it was so close, wasn't it? It was, it was much, much closer than it was now. All the, I think all the sort of top four were almost tied on the same points for, for quite a long time, weren't they? And that that Middlesbrough game was really because they were they were challenging, weren't they, with us? They were one of our our direct rivals, and I just felt that. We needed to win that game to to show our credentials, to really show our credentials, because it it was an up and down season, really, didn't it? We we lost four in a row, and it was really up and down. I thought, right, we're going to have to really, really show our what we're capable of in that game, and it felt in, the the togetherness that day, the the noise in the in Vicarage Road was yeah. absolutely incredible, and it at that that and that at that moment it felt like we'd hit terminal velocity. It looked like the momentum at that point was going to be too much for the others to, to deal with. The way we dealt with it just so professionally and coming on the back of a, a decent result away at Derby where I think we'd gone down to 10 men, hadn't we? Gone behind and then equalised as that lovely ball, as it Guardiola's sort of defence splitting ball? Um, and yeah, it's just that Middlesbrough game. It's That's when the boys, I think, rolled their sleeves up and made their statement and I thought, that's it, they have passed their test and if they if they can if they can do it here in the in the biggest game of the season as it was at that stage they will they will carry on and i I genuinely felt obviously with with caveats is nothing's done and dusted, but I just felt that at that stage the momentum was really really with us. We'd put our flag in the sand, we'd lay down our marker um and you know that just it, we felt together, and obviously we haven't got that this year so but that was the point for me surprise if if believe it or not
1: yeah i mean the yeah, the key word is believe you know, that we believe we were going to automatically... Let's let's see when Jason and and, and Colin felt their their belief last time. So with with five games to go, Millwall nil, Watford two. Four games to go, Forest one, Watford three.
2: Yeah, that's when I started to believe. I went to that game, it was Florence's first away game. It never felt in doubt, that result. And some of the players that had been brought in kind of on loan and stuff, I mean, there's a Connolly scored a goal who was a kind of, he was a defender from Cardiff on loan and he ran the whole length of the pitch and, and I think he I think he passed it off to Igalo who, who hit it and the keeper saved it and Connolly followed up and scored. And I came away from that game thinking, we've gone to Forests who were at that time, not so much in recent years, but back then they were a kind of looking for a playoff, sort of the big club in the, in the division uh, and they, they'd had their problems, obviously change managers a lot of time and they're still doing that, but it felt like a big ground that had, seen the European Cup and we, we went there and, and we we really put on a bit of a masterclass night and and I did come away from that thinking well it is really ours to sort of to lose and we just as Mike said we just looked like a team that was playing with smiles on our faces happy to be together playing for the coach who was as committed as any coach I think I've ever seen standing there in his suit and tie mm-hmm. on the touchline and and thinking really hard he wasn't much of a shouter Zhukanovich but I mean, I'm sure he was behind the scenes because he looked like he had, you know, he had a temper on him, probably. But and he gave you that death stare, which <laughs> he terrified me. But there was something about him. He, could see, he watched the game in a really clinical way. And if something wasn't working, he would just say, right, this isn't working. I'm changing it. Sorry, you're coming off. You're going on. And there was that there was this sort of sense of momentum amongst the group of players who just seemed to believe themselves that when they'd stepped onto a pitch, they had what they needed in order to get the win and they had a coach that was right behind them. And after that game, which is a tough game away at, at Forest, I, you know, what, what, whatever time in, a, in a, a season, whatever season, whatever they're doing, Forest is a big club and it's tough to go there. And we, we, we did really well that night. And I thought, oh, I'm starting to believe.
1: So that was three games to go after that Forest game. Yeah. But see Jason got the, got the feeling. Mm-hmm. Next game, the third to last game, Watford one, Birmingham City nil. Now. Uh, I'm with you, Jace. That was it. <laughs> that was yeah. it.
4: And I can pinpoint the exact moment as well. It was <laughs> after the game. We were outside. I bumped into a friend and we're chatting. And the rule goes up because Sheffield Wednesday had scored that penalty yeah. at Bournemouth. Yeah. And we'd gone top of the league. And everyone's singing. And he just felt right, we we really we're in the driving seat now. This is this is we're at the top. Obviously things didn't quite go to plan in that regard. But to me, it felt that was the moment. And I think also the the game itself, it we didn't have it all our own way. It it we were Mm -hmm. thinking it would be a comfortable victory given our form. Birmingham, I don't think, were any great shakes, but we didn't it was a little bit harder than perhaps it should have been, but it took that sort of quality goal from Kafka to get it through and it just showed that we've been on this run. We've got to grind through these last few games and we've just shown that we can do it. I think we can do it for the other two games and that to me was was the moment. To, to be fair to Mike as well though with his point about Middlesbrough, I think that weekend whilst not being the moment when I thought we were going to get promoted, it was a moment of realisation I think that we were going to be in the mix at the end, that we were going to be part of the challenge. We were going to be challenging for it right up until the end of the season and part of that was... Uh, we did the um, the live show on Silver FM, didn't oh, we? Oh, yes. John and Mike at that weekend and that, and talking to all the other sort of promotion candidates that whole weekend with the Derby game, with the Borough game and with that, the show that we did, it just felt a little bit more special, a little bit more different to, to the usual games of football. And uh, I think it was at that point I felt we will be challenging. It was the Birmingham game where I thought, yeah, we've got this, we're going
1: to go up. The, of course, the last few games, you might remember. Uh, 2-0 away at Brighton, uh, and then the 1-1 at home to Sheffield Wednesday. And, and you know, several points there, you know, I absolutely agree about that word believe. And I think, Mike, you were right. I At that middle of the game, I could believe we were going to do it, but it did take into the Birmingham game for me to truly believe because of, we were, like I said, as Colin said, we were in the driving seat because we were top. Um, and I don't think we're going to be in the driving seat, really, because there's only going to be... As we are assuming Watford, Swansea, and Brentford playing for a one position, not say the two positions that we had back then. But that squad, Mike, mm. do you think this squad now, the current squad, is better than the 2015? Or or, 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 or actually, that's that's a wrong thing to say. In what way do you think they're better?
3: A really interesting and, and difficult question, isn't it? I think. But what I, what I, where I think they're similar is that they both came to the party or at least look like they're coming to the party, when was absolutely necessary. You mentioned that that promotion side had a, had a really rough patch when, when Slav took over um, and only really started baring their teeth, didn't they, in that, that game at Fulham. And the, almost the same thing's happened here, hasn't it? It's been a probably a side that we've expected more from from day one and, and haven't got it, but have taken a little while to sort of get comfortable in their own skin and assert themselves on on the opposition. Uh, which has led to such dominating impressive and you know performances and and all those points, so there's i think there's similarities in in that regard um i think this the sort of team over the last 10, 10, 12 games or so is a lot more fun which that that fourteen fifteen side was they just they they look like they're enjoying their football. We all mentioned the games there where they had to grind through the the, the Birmingham game, but all the others they actually Look like a really good side, and 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 like the guys have said, look like they're enjoying their football. I think it's the, it has been the same with with these guys in this in this run in. In terms of individual talent, I would say that probably this squad, if you go through it um, line by line on a on a match day, you would say that this squad. Let's if you're going by football manager stats or something like that. Yeah, this is a more talented squad. Um, and what I absolutely love about this side, and i 'll never forget it i 'm in the same room, talking into the same microphone, talking to the same people about the same side, but after that Coventry game and and now they 've pulled the socks up and they 've they 've transformed the season they 've transformed themselves and they 've transformed the team and they 've transformed our hopes for the season and that takes some some doing and you can I talk about the the switching formation and yada yada yada. But to turn it round from sort of almost what was looking like going to be also RANS into someone with a, a team with a real chance of uh, of promotion, it takes takes some real doing. And I'm th- really impressed with this group of players with the sort of um, way they've done it. They're, they're, they've injected a bit of fun into game into games. They've got a smile on their face and they're just almost ruthlessly efficient, um, which is what you'd expect, that you, what we'd hoped from them earlier in the season. So, Very different sides. I think this is a better side in terms of raw, naked talent. It's probably taken longer to give us the amount of smiles that we got from from that previous promotion squad. But ultimately, come the end of the season, uh, if we end up being promoted again, I think both will go down in in history and absolutely uh, correctly so as well.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC.
1: So are, are they ready for this last eight games? Um, has Cisco made this this squad a, a winning machine uh, to win maybe five, maybe six games out of these last eight? Uh, Colin, we, we talked about this 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 moment it changed uh, where we moved to a four three three against Bristol City. Why why is it that th- you think that formation is going to be the thing that will get us promoted?
2: It's a really good question and some people say, oh, systems don't matter, players matter, motivation matters. I don't agree with that and I think there's a few key things that have happened since that decision was made. There are certain things you need at a football club if you're going to be successful. I think you need a coach who is decisive and who has a vision and says, right, I've been doing this, it's not working and I'll actually what I really want to do is this. And so he made that decision to go to a 433. Now the reason that that system is working for us I believe is because if you have to look at your squad of players and you have to look and say are we better are we more skillful more talented most of the time against the opposition and if the answer to that question is yes and I think we can all of us agree apart from maybe Norwich possibly Brentford we are playing against teams that don't have as much quality as us then 433 is a really good system because 433 is intrinsically An attacking system. (laughs) You've got your decisive coach. You've got the system he wants to play, which is a system which suits the quality of players that he's got. It also suits the actual players and where they play. So in a 4-3-3, you need a back four, obviously, but you need two full backs that are uh, good enough to get forward and support the attacking play. You need two wide players. We've got Sar and Semma, We're blessed in that regard. And then you need a central pivot, if you like, who plays in what people call the number nine role, but also someone that can drop and play uh, and be more fluid and flexible in that role so that he can, he, and I mean Jao Pedro, can play up front on the shoulder and get a tap in from across from Saar, or he can come short, pick up the ball off, say, Cleverly or Chalabar, and recycle it or get it out wide. So he's playing in a kind of direct line from the centre of the goal, back through the penalty spot and back into midfield, if you like. And that is his track. He's more flexible than that and more fluid. We've seen him pop up on the right, pop up on the left, but you need that player. But the player that is absolutely crucial to the 4-3-3 is the player in central midfield who is willing to drop and play between the two centre-backs. We've got Will Hughes. We know how brilliant he's been since we changed the system. He's able to play like an old-fashioned sweeper. He can play, in fact, sometimes when Kong and Suralta split, he plays behind them in the penalty box. So he's actually behind the two centre-backs. Other times he's just in front of them. And then he's also got that uh, ability to get across the halfway line. And when we're attacking in numbers and overloading, he can be the, the the get out ball when we're not finding a way through a solid defense it can be come back and there's hughes in the center circle to pick it up and and then recycle it so you need to have the players that suit the system but but crucially if you're going to choose a system like four three three, you have to play it correctly you have to actually play it properly and that means you've got to allow your fullbacks to go because that way you end up often with the fullbacks playing almost as wingers and SAR and Semma can play either as inside forwards or they can they can just be more flexible. They don't get isolated out wide, as we saw in the early part. We saw in the early part of the season, So out wide on the right, he gets the ball and he's nothing he can do. He like he's got to take on two players. Because the fullback's then someone comes off they're double teaming him. So in the end he just turns, shrugs his shoulders and knocks it back uh, into midfield. Now we can see that Kiko gets up to support him as and 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 Chalabar, whoever it is, is there sort of in the middle of the park. Uh, looking after the in case we lose the ball but what that does to the defense is the fullback if they want to double team SAR, they've got to send the third player over which is going to create space in that attacking third for players like Zinkanagel, Chalabar, Hughes Or even, you know, Pedro can come across into a little bit of space and pick up a pass from one of those two. So what you're doing is you're causing so many problems for uh, the defence of a team who you've already decided doesn't have as much quality as you. You have to be careful about being hit on the break. Of course, we understand that. But if you get your fullback up, if you get Messina up uh, to help Semmer and support him, the defenders have to come across. They have to break. You're pulling players out of position, which is what you want to do. You create pockets of space and then you can score goals. And I think that's why we've seen us score so many goals. Now, it takes a bit of courage to do that, to push your fullbacks on that far because good ball over the top, quick striker in behind and you can concede. We know that. But if you've got the quality and you've got a player like Will Hughes that has always got his eye on the back door and uh, along with Kong and Soralta, you can take that risk. You take it in a calculated way, but you have to have the player's to do it. And fortunately for us, I think we had a decisive coach who picked the right system, realized he had the players for that system and went ahead and played the system in the way it should be played. And as a result, we seem uh, at times, not always, but at times to completely overwhelm uh, teams and create lots and lots of opportunities and we we've, we've been scoring goals you know, multiple goals in games, which we weren't doing in the first part of the season. And I think that's why we've gone on this run. And they will be looking at us, obviously, the oppositions, teams we've got to play. They'll be looking at us, trying to work out how to stop us, what they can do. But let's hope that we, we continue to play with that system, with those players, with that courage. Uh, and hopefully that'll be the thing that gets us over the line.
1: I think my confidence level's gone up slightly there. Yeah, you're absolutely right, right Colin. But Jason, you know, this this is a, a a strange league with lots of different types of teams playing. You've had a couple of weeks. Can you pretend to be uh, Cisco Munoz? Um, what is it you might have been trying to add to to this system? That What what maybe do you think Cisco would be trying to add tactically?
4: I don't think I need to say anything. I think Colin's done the job superbly, hasn't <laughs> he? He's brilliantly described how good our tactics are. And um, in all seriousness, you... you when you've got a uh, you're on a winning run you say don't change the team and I think that goes for the tactics as well I think if you think about what Cisco would be doing normally in a normal week he would be looking at the who the opposition are and would probably be making any little tweaks or any setups that you would needed to do later on in the week to deal with the opposition obviously we know what the problem is that we've got at the moment in that we've got players away on international duty and the fact that we've got players that are going to be playing up till Wednesday. The game this week is on Friday. There's little time for the full squad to look at those tactics, even to the point of we'll probably see some of those players that have been on international duty actually not play or not be involved on Friday. And this is at leads to the point that I was going to make in terms of I don't think it's about tweaking the, the tactics. Because if you, you tweak something, you change something tactically, If you're doing that to make something stronger then you're probably compromising on the tactic elsewhere so i don't think we need to do that i think what we really need to do is get the players involved that perhaps haven't been part of the starting 11 so far those that are on the fringes of the squad or we know we've got a couple of players coming back from injury as well i think that's where i would focus and concentrate not not to change anything tactically but to make sure that the whole squad of players are fully aware of what their responsibilities would be when playing in this tactic, in this system, for when, not if, but when they are called upon to be part of this running. We've got eight games still left to play in a period of just over five weeks. I think there's no doubt that these players will need to be involved somewhere along the line.
1: Mike Jason mentioned the the international break. We we had a few out. Uh, William Troustikon, uh he had, he's had two games. He's finished tonight. Uh, Messina will been with Morocco. Uh, he, he'll be finished tonight. Cathcart and Semmer uh, will be assuming part of the squads for their nations. Uh, we know that Semmer. We already know that Semmer is going to be playing on, on Wednesday for for Sweden. And yeah, but Andre Gray got uh, you know got a, a ninety minutes, uh, eighty minutes. Uh, and Daniel Bartman's been part of the Aust- Austria squad, but he, ha- he hasn't played. If there is an injury, let's say, to one of them, or if this travel just makes them extra tired, the fact they haven't had a good break uh, during this international break, who do you think is going to be the biggest miss out of those international players? Well, can I, can I just shock you? And I'm
3: going to not choose to focus on the negative. I'm going to choose to focus on the positive just to start with, because I think we talked about the momentum and how we get this side... To keep doing what it's been doing all season, well, not all season long, but over the last sort of couple of months or so. And just imagine if you, if you would for, for a minute, if you were a footballer getting called up for to play international games to represent your country, getting promoted to the Premier League is obviously, obviously great. Playing for Watford is obviously blooming the pinnacle, isn't it? <laughs> but imagine getting called up to play for your country. I mean, I cannot for the life of me imagine the you know, the, the heart-bursting pride that you must get from that. And not just the pride, but also the sense of satisfaction, knowing that you've been playing well enough to get that get that call up. So I think, imagine those guys, they will have left Vickery Road or left the training ground or left the hotel and travelled off with their country tracksuit on, feeling 10 foot tall. And you would have thought that if as long as they don't get injured, they will come back into the fold, feeling just as empowered and proud and the way we've seen the togetherness of this Watford side, the Watford side, the the rest of the squad welcome, ready to welcome them back will have been equally proud of them. And they'll get sort of like a, not, not a hero's welcome, but as, as as close as it's going to get in, in footballing circles. And I just feel like it might actually, you know, there's a lot of wringing of hands, me included, because I worry about it and I'll, I'll mention, go on to talk about it. But I do think just in terms of a Philip, what it must be for a professional footballer, um especially one in perhaps in the championship, you're knowing that then you've got to come back and you've got eight games to get promoted in the Premier League and play against the best of the best week in, week out. I think for it for an individual it's probably a an an absolutely magical and hugely motivating experience. Now the reality of course is you mentioned Ken. He King Ken, sorry, give him his full name. Um <laughs> He you know, he was looking probably a little bit tired out of anyone on the on the pitch, any one of the regular starters, you'd have probably said that Ken Semmer was the one that probably looked jaded from, from time to time. Now he's playing on Wednesday for for Sweden, and then Watford are playing on Friday. So you'd have to say that it's unlikely he's going to make it. Really, wouldn't you? But the other thing he
1: at, ha- he uh, this is the only his for, he's the only game. He didn't play in the previous games for Sweden, so he did have a good week of not doing, mu- you know, not 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 doing much, but you know, resting in some sense.
3: Yeah, I just and and yeah, no, and I, and it feeds into everything else I've just said, John. I think not playing but being there, I think is 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 good, <laughs> you know, from from a Watford point of view. But the the logistics, the sheer the stone cold logistics of playing a game. On Wednesday, and then and then travelling back to to Watford, getting checked out, training, meeting up with your teammates, and being ready for a match on Friday. I'm not sure how how feasible that is. He would be a big miss for me. I think if if for example if he wasn't available or was was unable to hit the ground running certainly by by Monday against Middlesbrough. The other one I think is Truesti Kong, I think has been has been good for Watford, but we've got. Yeah, Cabocelli we've seen come back from from uh, from injury. He's training, so it looks like he's fit for selection. So Craig Cathcart, you would have thought maybe been around the block enough to sort of know how to manage himself and manage his body to to be to be available. Perhaps for me, really, it's Ken. I'm that, that's the one I'm I'm worried about the most. Um, but let's choose to be positive and let's choose to work on the basis that if they all come back unscathed, then it it will actually. Be be a Philip, and uh, let's hope that uh, I I do. It does make me laugh. I always remember when Manchester United. You know, growing up, it was always Liverpool, and then and then Man United, and all the Man United fans used to say, oh, "I hate England. I can't believe all these players are going off an in international duty." Said, how can, how dare you? Sort of. It's England. It's the pinnacle. It's you, know, you should be proud. And now I'm kind of thinking, mm, yeah, kind of get it really. I'd rather they were tucked <laughs> up at, at home in front front of Netflix. So, uh, if there are any Man United fans uh, listening that uh, were on the wrong end of me <laughs> getting cross in the '90s about them complaining about their players going off on in international duty, sorry, is that the most niche apology ever? The <laughs> it might be, but I, I I do worry. And you do, yeah. you know, it's and it's interesting. You've got we've got Friday and Monday, so they they're coming in quick succession. Jason's point is a great one we're going to rely on a lot a lot of this, this squad
1: during the running. part of the athletic podcast network this is from the rookery end if you haven't already, then then please do uh, go to the athletic.com forward slash rookery end uh, where you can subscribe to the athletic. Uh, it's uh, always an offer for you, uh, and uh, the best ones. We try to the best ones as a listener to from the Rookery end. Uh, at the moment, it's three ninety nine. That's three pounds and ninety nine pence uh, per per month for the first six months of your subscription, and that's half price. You'll get all the stories uh, from the heart of the game from a collection of some of the best writers in sport. If you like, or if you like to know more about uh, agents and and super agents, uh, there's a fantastic uh, interview that was done by James Horncastle and Daniel Taylor, two of the big writers at The Athletic, uh, where they uh, interview, interview two of the biggest super agents Uh, And they certainly seem like a a, a right pair of characters. Mino Raiola and Jonathan Barnett. uh, Go and check that one out. And also, uh, even though we, yeah, there's all the all the stuff that Adam writes uh, about Watford on the Athletic, but there is a beautiful piece for those of you a certain age. uh, Amy Lawrence, who's the Arsenal writer, about David Rowcastle, a phenomenal person behind Arsenal's. Perfect player, uh, and I think if you are, I say, of, of our age, then you will remember Roadcastle. So go and find out about that the, the expert analysis uh, and the wonderful coverage they put into sports from across the world. Theathletic.com forward slash End So we've got the right squad, uh, we've got uh, a squad that's going to be energi- energized after the international break. We've got the right formation, uh, and we're not, we're not going to change too much, but we could change a little bit because we've got some players coming back from injury. The first two, Zinkanagel and Ishmael Asar. Jason, we know, we've seen bits of Zink and Argel in training. We haven't seen anything from Ishmael Saar. Is that the club trying to be a bit, you know, uh, secretive uh, about his exact status? Has his injury got worse? We haven't had a press conference yet for us to be able to discuss that. But Saar is the most important, as we can assume. Uh, but Zink and Argel was becoming such a big part of, of that squad. If, if, is Sar that important to us, though?
4: um well we won without him last time but you'd think within the context of the games coming up he is and almost to the point of of what um mike was saying if king ken's not going to be available you would probably want to have ishmael assar available on the other side otherwise otherwise we're um i wouldn't say down to bare bones but it means we're sort of having to uh put backup choices on either side of the front three so i think i'd like to see sar start obviously the flip side of that is would it mean Joseph Hungbo getting a, a run out? Which I guess we can be guilty of, of being overexcited about the youngsters coming through from the club. And it's it's probably been a while since we've uh, seen one come through from the academy at the level that, that Hungbo is. But if it came to it and we were without Sar and Semmer on on Friday afternoon, then you know what? I'd, I'd like to see Hungbo get a start.
1: That's a very brave move, Jason. But I like it. I like it. More positivity. Let's 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 love it and let's keep it going. The other one, Colin, though, we you know adding we could add some other players that have had long term injuries uh, and not really played part of this amazing unbeaten run that we've had. Uh, Tom Cleverley, uh, Ben Foster, Christian Capicelli, uh, and Troy Deeney. Does it feel to you that they're going to add something drastic to this? This squad we've got, or they're just going to be, as Jason said, adding to the mix, being there when needed. You know, they're not going to have this sort of make. Or, they don't feel like they're going to have a make or break to us succeeding this season.
2: It's so funny, you know, John, that you, you pick out those four players, and and I and I suppose I have to include Cathcart in, in that group. Those four players you've just mentioned—they just suddenly feel like old Watford, and the, and the last ten games, we've—I really feel I've been watching the new Watford, a new era of Watford players, of, of a Watford team. We've had Batman, who's been very solid in goal. We've seen the real emergence of Sieralta Alta in the centre of our midfield alongside to Kong, who has been a bit up and down, but Sieralta has really just emerged. Messina's been improving. And then in the middle of the park, players like who have come in, really canny little signings to help uh, through this difficult part of the season with so many games and obviously a few injuries players like Gosling, players like Sanchez and also Zinkernagel. So for me, the only one really of those four that I would think I would be, you know, see in the starting line and go, okay, good, because we know we can rely on them. And that's Tom Cleverley. And we may well need him Friday because, as has just been described, there may be a a scenario where Ken is, is too tired to play and Sar is not quite ready to come back into the side, at which point we probably have to push Zinkernagel out to the right. Hungbo plays on the left. Those are the two obvious options to me as, as wide players. And then Cleverly could come in and play alongside Chalabar and Hughes in midfield. And so you could see you can see where Cleverley fits in. And I sort of, and I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but I sort of still feel like Cleverly's part of this new Watford, even though he's been with us for years and has played in the Premier League and so on. But somehow there's been a bit of a reemergence of Cleverly's abilities this season alongside Hughes and Chalabar. So as far as Ben Foster is concerned, I don't see that happening. Unless uh, Batman has a drop off in form or gets injured, I think I think now after nine wins in ten games, I don't know how many clean sheets, six or seven, I think you say, okay, fair enough. Well, then you're you're my number one goalkeeper now. So Ben will have to sit on the bench, and unfortunately, broke his fingers at a bad time, and and his replacements come in and, and and taken the shirt, and that's that's what happens in sport. As far as Cathcart is con- uh, Cabacelli is concerned, we know what we get with with uh, Cathcart and Cabacelli We've seen them play together a lot. And uh, they may need to come in and play either together or individually. But for me, I'd rather see that central pairing kept the same. I don't see what Cathcart adds, how he makes us better, Cabaselli. He is prone, as we know. And I was at the Brentford game when he did an alley-oop for um, the Brentford penalty. For some reason, he sort of jumped up and palmed it. And and he has moments of kind of craziness. He is also an extremely good player and an exquisite uh, footballer at times and and a good defender. So... Caboselli may find his way back in if William troost is is you know too tired after his trip to Benin and Lesotho and coming back and so on. So he may come into it. As far as Troy's concerned, I, I wasn't aware that Troy was really that close to coming back into the squad.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mike. That's the thing. There was a video that the club put on. Um, it was from the the last game. It's part of Hive Live, and I only saw mm. it for the first time today on the the club's YouTube channel. And and so that's two weeks ago now. Uh, And he sort of said, well, I'm three to four weeks away. Um, Everything's going well. I know that he isn't going to start featuring this week. Do you see a place for him? I know there's a certain attitude that he brings to uh, any squad that he's part of. Does he fit into this 4-3-3 system from a point of view of starting a game? I think so the game you're talking about, he was on in the Hive Live
3: studio for the for the Birmingham game and I was lucky enough to be there and he Troy was actually uh making his way across the pitch while the while the team were out training, uh warming up and he you know, he stopped and he talked to players and he was obviously giving them a bit of a G up and a bit of a uh, a rousing talk. So you know, perhaps because it was they were playing Birmingham and he, he didn't want to lose any face, want to make sure that they understood that it was the uh, Troy Deeney derby and uh, they uh, they they did the job. But so you mentioned that um, it's some sometimes it can feel a little bit abstract talking about what Troy Deeney brings to the to the team in the dressing room. But I thought it was quite interesting because you could see it out there this time. You know he was doing his club captain bit which was going around and talking to the players making sure they're focused I assume they were talking football but you know what I mean it's, it's it was there to be seen so he does have an impact he is a big big figure at the club and and amongst this team and I have no doubt But in that... terms
1: of him starting a game as the striker in this squad I it does feel like it's not going to happen not that he won't no. play games but to be the starter after no. after what's happened
3: no, he doesn't. I don't think he fits into the into the side in its current incarnation. I don't think he would expect to fit into the side in its current incarnation because we talked about the Backman Foster debate. You know, Backman is the man in in possession of the shirt, therefore he he hasn't done anything to lose it. And you know, even even more sort of black and white, if you like, is 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 up front with you know the, the current team, the current eleven with that that three up front have have scored a hatful of goals. And earlier in the season we didn't score a hatful of goals. So it's not it's not rocket science. And I don't think it'd be surprise to anyone listening, to, to to anyone watching, or to Droidini himself. I think he mentioned in that interview that he's obviously itching to get back, but he's also really proud of of the side and and, and I think that speaks again to the to the state of this squad. They they're taking pride in each other and, and, and they're they're enjoying seeing this turnaround in form and they're enjoying us being a force in this division, and I think they all recognise that they will have a job to do. And for for Troy Deeney, it's an unfamiliar job now. It's going to be as support, I think, because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And at the moment, Watford's front three is the exact opposite of broke, isn't it? It's it's doing really well. So why why would you why would you change it? Why would you alter it? What I would say is that I can see a huge place for Troy Deeney in a in a match day squad. You know, t- let's talk about the, just the Luton game, for example, and just the, the the feathers he was able to ruffle when he came on with, uh, you know, in a close game towards the end in the Derby. The referees know him, so he can talk to the referees. If we need someone to stick their bum in the way of it for five minutes in the corner, he can do that. If a, if a back four is is tired after being run ragged by Ken Semmer, Jao Pedro, and Ishmael Assar for seventy minutes, how are you going to feel as a centre back or a or a right back or whatever with Troy Deeney coming back on? Uh, with his teeth bared with a point to prove I I would be pretty dispirited by that so for me it's 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 not a question but it's not a negative thing by any any stretch of the imagination I I think he brings a lot I think he has a lot to offer and I think he will recognize exactly the same thing that we're recognizing that certainly to start with he is going to be making his performances from off the bench
1: now, we're not going to make predictions about games because that's going to change. Week to week, game to game, what happened for Watford, what happened to Brentford, what happened to Swansea, things, things are going to change. What I do know, having looked at the last few years of, of promotion, 89 points should be enough, 90 points would, would, would get us there. But it's, it's how we get there. And, you know, you look at our schedule, we've got one less game than Swansea and Brentford. Some may argue that that's an easier run than that person, this person. Mike's already said, well... They've both got to play us. And that's that's exactly how I think we should be looking at it, rather than saying we've got to get this job job done before we play them. But Colin, Sheffield Wednesday first up on a Friday. I mean this this weekend is is, is a bit jam-packed. It's Friday and Monday. But then we don't play we play one other weekday. We're gonna have some space to sort of tinker and, and and change and and rest a little bit more it's not going to be the bombardment of games we've had until this la till this recent international break but but Sheffield Wednesday at home on a Friday that's just is a great way to start after having all these players away on international duty.
2: Yeah I said earlier coming back after a break I think coming back to play at home against a team that has been struggling is probably what you would like not that you would allow that and I'm sure that Cisco and the players won't allow that to make them at all complacent but that is a that is a reasonable start. I'm also with you, John. I wanted to say this actually. I think uh, a lot of people say, "Oh, our running is terrible. Look at our terrible running. We've got to play Brentford, and we've got to play uh, Swansea at the last two games. We've got to play Norwich away." My feeling is the total opposite of that. Firstly, they are now behind us and need points, and will come feeling they've got to get something from those games, which will put them under more pressure. Second of all, if you're in a situation that we're in at the moment. Being able to play your rivals means that it's in your power to rob them of points. If you don't play them, you have to sit on the sideline watching them play Birmingham or Rotherham or Sheffield Wednesday or whoever it is, Reading, Middlesbrough, and just hoping that they drop points. But when they play us, we can make them drop points. And I think that that can be a real uh, positive mindset to take into into a run-in. So I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about the fact that we've got these games that we have to play against our closest rivals. I'm, I'm actually please and I think it gives us an opportunity to really push them further away from us of course if we don't you know we're we, it, it, it's the opposite but I'm not going to think like that this game, this weekend I think is is really crucial we've got two games one at home against Sheffield Wednesday as already described and then one away against Borough those are games on current form and in our current mindset we would definitely be looking to get something from both those games if not win them both so that's um You know, I think you have to chop it up into small sections. Yes, you can take it one game at a time if you like. But if you take this weekend as a whole, go, let's get through this weekend. Let's see if we can get four or six points and then have another thing. And I also think that not having the extra game will make a difference because players must be getting fatigued. They must be getting exhausted. They've also had to play in front of empty stadiums all season, which I'm sure at some point uh, becomes more dispiriting. You 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 don't get that burst of adrenaline from the home crowd. It is difficult. So... I think the fact we've got little gaps where we can recover properly and plan properly for the next game, I think is, is is an advantage. It's only one game that they're behind us. It's not more than that. So it's not going to make a huge difference, but listen, who would you rather be at this moment? Who would you, where would you rather be sitting? Would you rather be us? Channing Tatum. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I knew that about you, Mike. (laughs) Um, Who would you rather be? No, you'd rather be us, wouldn't you? If you're a Swansea fan, you're thinking, oh God, you know, we've dropped back we've lost two in a row brentford fans are you know having a, a possibly having a recurring nightmare thinking well this is not going to happen to us again we don't want to drop into the playoffs and then get to the final so of the three sets of fans i'm sure that we are the ones we would rather be where we are so all of these things together i think just provide us with that little bit of hope that little bit of belief a little bit of confidence but this weekend i think is massive if if uh, and I'm not saying we will, and I'm touching wood all over the place. If we were to win these two games, that would put us on to 81 points. And that would really make it very hard for them. Even if they won their two games with, you know, only five, six games to go, to have to catch up that number of points, it's difficult when you're chasing. And I, so I, I, I feel hopeful.
3: The reason I, I said at the top of the podcast how sort of frantic I am about Friday, and I think it's a, I think it's a massive, massive, massive game. Middlesbrough would potentially be more of a statement getting a result there. But if we do manage to beat Sheffield Wednesday, and I'd still, every time I say Sheffield Wednesday, I think that last game of the promotion season, uh, I was sl- <laughs> very angry, as uh, John will attest. Uh, luckily, he managed to get a few pints of Peroni into me, quick smart, and I soon uh, soon sharpened up and was was happy. But if we beat Sheffield Wednesday on Friday, for a couple of hours at least, we will be nine points clear of Swansea, and ten points clear of Brentford because they play the next day, so that is you know it's only it's only small you're only talking a matter of hours but that is a psychological hit that is a psychological blow that Swansea will be you can mark your words that the Swansea players and the squad will be watching Watford's game. Uh, On on Friday afternoon and and they will know what they've got to do then in in the evening and Brentford have got to mullet over the night as well and they will go to bed on that Friday night if Watford have won knowing that if they don't win they are 10 points behind Watford with not long to go now we have to caveat this we overhauled Brentford's nine point lead in the matter of a week so. We know it can happen. Football's a funny old game. Anything can can happen. And with Watford it usually does. We've pretty seen it all really between us in the, the course of our Watford supporting career, haven't we? So any result wouldn't be a, a surprise. But I just think in terms of those little psychological blows, this first one back could be could be a gargantuan one. Opening up a, a, a such a big gap, nine and ten points over our nearest rivals with the first game back is could be seismic, I think. So It just feels absolutely massive to me Friday. Absolutely huge.
1: And I think we've got the opportunity again the following weekend because we play Reading on the Friday night uh, Mm. so we can get ahead of them again and, and put the pressure onto them that you do have to catch up. Let's see how they were at the first three, two games go before that. Um, and I, I also feel like looking at that Brentford and that Swansea game, it, it's not a get-out-of-jail card um, for us if we do have a bad run. But, it, it, you know, those are games that are, are in our control uh, and yes. can be six-pointers, even though they're at the end of the season. They're going to be for them as well. Um, but you never know, <laughs> we could win the first five games back and be all happy. Maybe not. <clears throat> um, <laughs> but we've got some clichés. We're going to live in cliché land, I think, for the next few weeks. I don't like cliche land what what's the worst cliche you you think you're going to be hearing in the next few weeks Jason
4: Ooh. well if it's if if they're talking about us and they start talking about lottery of the playoffs, then then I'll be worried. I don't want no, to yeah. hear them talking about that with regards to Watford. <laughs> they can talk about it as much as they like with Swansea and Brentford just not for Watford
1: there's always that thing they put they put the um, they they try and put the value of and importance of every single game you know it's every game's a cup final it's Watford to lose we'll take one game at a time Mike which one of those annoys you the most
3: None of them, because they're all absolutely right. I am firmly, <laughs> the firmly. cliche is here. I am firmly in camp cliche. bring it on, and I, you can fully expect over the coming weeks for them to hear them tumble out of my mouth with alarming regularity on the podcast, and I make zero apologies for it. Do you know why a cliche is a cliche? Because it is an overused phrase, and phrases get overused because
2: they are appropriate. So there, ergo, a cliche is okay. an appropriate phrase, and I will not hear a single thing about it. I'm going to dispute that. I think this. Is- is one that, that always drives me mad when they say as they come out to the pitch uh they'll want to score early it's like well yes because every time you ever play football you want to score early so that the, the situation and uh, of the season the table i mean that doesn't make a difference the other the other one that i'm really enjoying this season particularly is when they go that's that's a tough place to go and play and you go well is it there's no one there <laughs> so i think that's a bit ridiculous because if there are no fans going to ellen road is not as tough a place to go to as when there are fans that's one that gets me the other one that i really love and it is of course true as mike says because cliches are basically um, truths that have been overused to the point where people say it without really thinking whether it's still true in that instance or not there's a couple of uh cliches footballing cliches which really apply to the championship only which is uh, one of them is we know that in the championship everyone can beat everyone yes i mean actually if you look at the top four we haven't lost that many games and certainly haven't lost them so i'm not sure that that is um that's that's good and I I also I I like um I like this one which you don't hear all that often but I like it when they go they talk about a team in the bottom three or the bottom six they go well they're a good strong side it's like well clearly they're not a good (laughs) strong side because they've lost 38 games or 25 games out of 28 or whatever so um there's there's so many of them and I kind of love them and there's also a sort of comfort about footballing cliches because you can hear it coming when you're listening to an interview on the radio, (laughs) or you might actually say it yourself to your friends. I've got friends who are Arsenal fans in this area, and Chelsea fans, and they they keep an eye on Watford, and they go, yeah, you know, one of them ran me up and said, oh, who are Watford going to beat this weekend? And I thought that was quite nice. Find them sort of a bit like a comfort blanket, John, sometimes when you hear that, oh, we're going to take one game at a time, or we'd like to score early. Well, they're a good, strong side, and that's a difficult place to go and play. I find them quite comforting, because I think, good, good, we're in cliche land now, and we can all just
3: relax. I'm glad you find them comforting, uh, Colin, because I really do hope we do score early. And (laughs) talking about, is it a difficult place to go? Have you ever tried to get to Middlesbrough on an Easter bank holiday weekend? (laughs) Difficult place to go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the only one I don't like is uh, every game's a cup final because there's no silverware at the end of the Sheffield Wednesday game. So it's not a cup final. Um, But, you know, we are the business end of the season uh, and we're trying to get into the promised land of the Premier League uh, because it's worth... How much is it worth these days? They'll, they'll quote exactly how many millions of pounds we'll be getting by going to the Premier League. Uh, and we've got eight games to go. They're going to be fun games. We're going to be here doing From the Rookery End. Next podcast we'll do uh, is, is on the, on Monday after the Middlesbrough game. Uh, get the whole weekend, see where we're at, see what, what's happened on the Friday with all the players coming back and, and see what we end up with uh, on on Monday away at Middlesbrough. Uh, but we'll be here every step of the way with you, not quite holding your hands. We're still not allowed that, that much contact. But but mentally, we will be uh, through this podcast.
3: Thank you very much, Mike. Each game as it comes, lad. Each game <laughs> as it comes. <laughs> Thank
2: you,
4: Colin. That's a tough place to go.
2: It's a very tough place to go. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thanks, Chase. Can't believe we've done a bit on cliches and Mike has not used from the get go. Oh,
3: what, what that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my podcasting in microcosm, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
1: Thank you very much, and come on, you all. the Athletic.